the impact of the show cannot be understated here with the story and what we're hearing with Dr. Gregory Williams. I mean, and you can see, I mean, yeah, this is an extreme story, but they're out there. They happen a lot on many, many levels, all kinds of levels, friends. And But the idea is it becomes a teachable moment and what he's doing in his life now, we're going to talk a lot more about here ahead and see how we bring this story forward here. Um, I, I am... I am uh, really taken back, Kevin, about this story, i got to tell you, and such like you, such respect for Dr. Gregory Williams and all that he's been through in this uh, amazing story. Knowing when to break through the boundaries of average to question the unquestionable is the sign of greatness. It's those moments when you get to the absurd stage that things truly get interesting. Though the world is in need of a new generation of leaders, leaders who have the courage to break through the boundaries and question everything around them. Though society is yearning for bold and enthusiastic women and men to provide the necessary leadership that will be required for the next leap forward. The journey to get to the brink can be unpredictable, but knowing you're at the brink, pure genius, my friends. Today, we are on the brink of greatness. Well, I think one of the amazing things about this show, this platform, the brink of greatness, is to be able to find those unique individuals out there who are making a difference in our world, friends, but have themselves gone through a life event. Something has happened to them in a unique way. And then to be able to turn that all around and use it as a gift, I, I just, that's remarkable to me. I call it a gift to humanity. And to be able to give back like that and get out there and help other people. And that's the nature of this show, is to help other people to really see the light and, and really encourage people to be the very best that they can be. That's, uh, that's the whole story here, Kevin. And you and I, we, you came across this very unique story, and uh, we were so excited to talk about uh, what you initially had discovered with Dr. Gregory Williams. Uh, tell me what your thoughts were when you first read that story, Kevin. Well, when I think of after I read the story about Dr. Williams, I, I think I was surprised because maybe I'm just kind of naive sometimes and you go through life and you only deal with, you know, think about your own problems. But when you start reading about what Dr. Gregory Williams went through, it just was surprising that um, not only his story of being, you know, say abused by his father, but the statistics behind all those stories about like one in four kids, girls, being sexually abused, or one in six boys, or one in eight. I was just like astonished. I was like appalled by that that type of statistics, that that's actually going around in our world today. And Dr. Gregory Williams was able to uh, deal with that throughout his life, and now he's out there trying to help other people cope with it. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's so great about him. Uh, so good to have you on, uh, Dr. Gregory Williams. We'll call you Greg here from here on out, but I want folks to know, I know you're in the beautiful area of Houston, Texas, I believe, and you're doing some amazing work out there. Welcome to the brink of greatness, uh, Greg. Well, thank you, Malcolm, and good to, to be with you and Kevin this, this morning. We'll just be able to figure this out and talk about it, and, yeah. and uh, Houston is beautiful today. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly it. Well, it's beautiful because you're making it that way. And uh, it's all a mindset. Everything is a mindset. I want to get right to the big uh, moment of this entire story because I know now you're using your life lessons to uh, to teach other people and to uh, instruct other people of some of these dangers. And I know as a speaker and you've got a book out, we'll talk more all about that later. Let's get right now to what I call the the brink. Uh, there are many, there are six stages I have, Greg that I say to get to the brink of greatness. I believe you are a brink thinker today and you're at the brink of greatness because you are out there helping other people and you've used your own life experience in such a unique unique way and I absolutely applaud you for that uh, wholeheartedly here. And So let's bring it back though to the moment um, where... And what I want to find out with you, Greg, is that that moment of change, there's a point of impact that happens with all of us when we go through some life event. Now, this could be almost anything. I mean, it could be absolutely anything. But there's something that happens, and it's a point of impact, and it's just before you get to the absurd moment. It's kind of at your lowest point of yes. despair in this particular story. Would you take us there, please? Absolutely. And that moment was probably... Uh, when I was in my upper 40s, uh, 30-some years after the sexual abuse had ended, and I was on the operating table having open-heart surgery. And when right before the, the surgery happened, the doctor told us that your heart has gone bad in this one valve area, and we have no reason why. We don't have anything medically that is causing this to happen. So we're going to fix it, but we have no understanding if it's going to happen again over and over because there's nothing medically wrong with you except this part of your heart gave out. And after I had gone through the heart surgery, we started to look at what could have caused that. And we came across this wonderful thing called ACEs which is adverse childhood experiences. And if you have something, in, in, in a nutshell, when you have something that's happened in a child's life and nothing has been done to help that, to vent that, to talk through it, and to give it uh, recovery, then you suppress it. And it eventually will come out and affect your health. So I had gone through 17 years of horrific daily, uh, Malcolm, daily, mm-hmm. from, from what I can remember, four years old. I remember Christmas, my, four year, my fourth birthday, or fourth Christmas uh, when I was four, all the way up to I was almost 17 years old. Every single day of that childhood, I was sexually abused by my father. And sometimes twice and even when i was 12 i was gang raped many times by my father and his friends um now i i I, I gotta stop you there a minute greg i i'm having such a hard time understanding this story already i have to tell you now let me make now first of all is your father still living today no uh, dad passed away and in the book i i talk about me having uh Mm -hmm that moment in time where dad was on life support mm-hmm. and I was alone in the room with him right. and I started talking to him about the abuse. I had never had 
that discussion. He had never asked for wow. forgiveness. He never had it. Now, now was this after this was after the heart thing when you discovered all this, right? Or was no, it before? Was, it was this, before this was that. Before. I'll be darned. So this, so you already knew you were suppressing this. So you, before the heart problem, which I want to get back to that later, because I find that very unique. There's some real lessons there. But prior to that, what you're saying, Greg, is that you, you knew this and now your, your father is, uh, was he on his deathbed at that point? Is that, was the, yeah, he was, he was uh, on life support because he had cancer surgery, uh, throat, throat cancer, and it had gone bad and his lungs were collapsing and and they put him on life support, okay. and we knew his days were limited at that point. How many years was that before the, the your heart problem? That was about um, three or four. Oh, I pretty close. Something like that. It was really close. All right. When, when Dad passed away, mm-hmm. that was the beginning of my horizon of understanding that I needed to tell people now what had happened to me. And uh, wow, yeah, I had never revealed it I had to anybody in my life. Back to this point of being a young boy now, uh, from four yeah. years old, I have to ask you, why was your father sexually abusing you? Why? Well, that, that's a good question. Uh, the only answer I have for that is I, I believe he was just a, a sick uh, individual when it comes to to sex i i um why he did it i don't know do you have siblings do you have siblings i do i have two older brothers one had passed away um one and were they abused years. well i've never discussed it with tony and he he passed away although we were sharing a room together when i was going through the sexual abuse and one night when dad was abusing me in my bed with my brother on the other side of the room in his bed, I remember looking over to him and he was wide eyed watching. And when I made eye contact with him, he immediately turned over. Oh Um, my dear. We never talked about it. My other brother, my older brother that's still living, um, 10 years older. uh, We have never discussed it to the effect had he been, Although I have a feeling he had, he immediately got out of the house as early as he could at his young age, I think like 16, 17 years old, and wanted to get away. So this is your older brother you're talking about? Yes. And, yes. and so you're saying he, he could potentially still be suppressing it then, you're saying? Yes, I believe he is. You believe he is, because you believe it was done to him as well? That's my opinion. Now, he may absolutely, because uh, right. we have not discussed You've never had a conversation. Does, and he, does he know what you're doing out in the world right now, Greg? Well, he knows when uh, I discussed it and finally told uh, my mom and him that it, it had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They immediately, of course, did all the the normal things. They go through all the cycles of uh, anger and uh, they couldn't believe it and that, that type of thing, although they didn't doubt me. Greg, um, where's your mom in, in all this at this point? Yeah, mom and dad divorced. Okay. Uh, the, the day that I went to off to college, but but where, where was it while the abuse was going on? I'm saying. Well, she had a job where she was out of the town, out of town for four or five days a week. I see. Uh, so there was never how how uh, a four, five, six, seven. I can go all the way up to seventeen every day. I mean, I have scars physically on my body from the abuse. How she could not see that. 
I don't know. But so you believe me, she had to know about it, yeah? Well, I, I hate to put that. Mom's passed away also, but uh, I would okay. think that there was some kind of denial going on in her yeah, life. Yeah, there usually is. Yeah, yeah there is. We, yeah, we've turned the is. other way. Yeah, yeah. These uh, kinds of these kinds of things are most disturbing, especially with inside of a family like this here. Um, so, so you think your mom possibly knows your your older brother potentially your younger brother who's not here anymore had seen it that night, so you know he knows it was happening. Uh, yes. But you don't know if it went. You don't know if he experienced it himself, huh? I don't. Um, mm-hmm. But I do, and it's something that I have not even uh, okay. told the world. Um, but. I guess in the next book or two, uh, my brother also was involved in abusing me. Um, oh, wow. Your and, younger brother uh, or older brother? By my, the one that's passed away, the younger one. Was, was um, also abusing you? Yes, it was later on. It was when I was in my teenage years, um, probably 12, because he would have been uh, 17, 18. Uh, him and his girlfriend both. Were sexually uh, abusing you? Was sexually abusing me also. Oh my dear! Oh wow! Yeah, I, I I don't even. I mean, this is unbelievable. And I haven't wrapped my my mind around that yet. I I haven't really right. uh, rationalized that and and even put that into words. Uh, so yet. he was doing it as well. And it, was this kind of the thing, Greg? Do you think where he was seeing your dad do it? So it was kind of like it became. Is that because he's seen it that night with, with you at least that one time? I mean, you know. Yeah, and it's it's amazing to me to think that he didn't experience it too mm-hmm. so he very well may have and which is why he may have acted out with you yeah and that seems to be the the yeah sometimes common thread that if that's you right. have been abused you will abuse, you abuse others. others that's correct it it, yeah. it's, it it falls within that family and it comes back and you really have to seek help to do that um, you have to stop the cycle. Yes. You have to stop the cycle. That is a good way to put it, uh, my, my friend. And uh, so uh, back to the childhood, I got to stay there a minute because this is it, oh, this, sure. it's an earth shattering, uh, really, conversation that you, you see. And uh, I can imagine how you react to these things today when you hear children that are going through this kind of a thing. Oh. So let me ask you now. So let me understand the age factors. Does this go on between four and seventeen? Is that how? What's the age factor that this? Yes, and the only four to seventeen. And the only way I recall the the age of four Mm -hmm. was one night I was journaling this, writing this, and and trying to put it all down on paper as I was kind of mind mapping out. And all of a sudden, I remember a Christmas. Sears Christmas catalog. You remember those as a child? That's right. And Dennis the Menace was on the cover of the Christmas catalog. I remember that was the the catalog that I was carrying around as a child. So I immediately got online, awesome internet, and typed in Sears Christmas catalog Dennis the Menace. Mm. And it came up with the year, 1967. And it's like, whoa, did it happen? Was it on 68? 69 or 66 no 1967 which was the catalog that i had in my hand when my dad abused me and it immediately put me that's the year that's the christmas that i can first remember because uh the first chapter two of my book i talk about that christmas him sitting down with me and saying hey son what do you want uh, for christmas this year and i pulled the dennis the menace catalog out Sears and I started showing him immediately he said you know 
Santa only brings presents to those that do good things for their father. He grabbed the catalog, threw it to the floor, and pulled my red checkered flannel PJ bottoms all the way down and started in. And I remember that. Uh, Then I remember each night, even Christmas Eve that year, each night as we got closer to Christmas, he would say, you know, you can't tell anybody because you won't get any presents and neither will your brothers. So he used that manipulation of Santa Claus, Christmas, being a good boy, don't tell and your or your your brothers won't get what they want either as that tool that got inside my mind and he started manipulating me. And that's the first time that I can recall hmm. uh, it happening. That's how I got to the four-year-old mark. So as you were going through that all of those years, Greg, um, as a young man until at seven, how did you break out of it at 17? How, what, oh, what that, happened? That's such a story. And you got to remember, here I was going out on dates with my girlfriend, driving home, and my father would be standing there going, are you ready? I would walk in from driving home from a date. And, you know, we would go to drive-in movies and movie theaters. And, you know, what kids do, you know, we would drive and go parking in the cornfields. And, you know, the kissing and the playing and the things you do as a child, as a teenage boy. Uh, And then I would have to come home and face my father. And when I was seven, almost 17 years old, he started in. And I played the all the way through all the abuse. I did the old limp dish rag. I just laid there, and I would zone out. Do whatever you want to. You can't hurt me. I would totally go to a different place, and I would count stripes in the curtains, uh, cracks in the wall, and you know, try to do anything I could to put my mind in another place. And I was so, it just the anger started raging in me one night, and I finally pushed him away. And I said, I swear to God, Dad, I will tell the whole world what you're doing to me. And he backed away. And then he started to start pinning me down again. And I just laid there limp and for just a second. And then I pushed back and said, no, I mean it. And I screamed to the top of my lungs. And Malcolm, this is how um, devastating abuse can be whether it's one time or every day of your life. Dad looked at me as I pushed him away, and he said, okay. And he went to the bedroom, closed the door, and as he walked out, he looked at me. He said, good night, Greg. And he called me Greg, not son. And I remember that devastating me. I sat there and cried that night going, oh, my God, I just lost my dad. And I wanted there was uh, there was something inside of me that wanted to go. No, come on back. I want my dad back. Hmm. Come on back. Do what you need to do hmm. so I can make you happy and you'll love me. Wow. Again. That that wow. that was going on inside of my mind. And to that day forward, hmm. I never remember my father calling me son it was always great did you think this was normal as a kid was there a period of time you went through greg where this uh, like you're when you say you come back with a girlfriend you're out i mean was 
I mean, was your life normal outside of this? Was everything else yeah. kind of normal in your life? Yeah, we were an upper middle class, white, uh, pretty affluent, uh, mm-hmm. rural country town mm-hmm. uh, in southern Illinois, out in the middle oh. of really nowhere, about 10 miles from any city. Dad was, you know, president of the Elks, mm-hmm. uh, a trustee at the church. Uh, Hold on, a trustee at the church as well. Yes. Isn't that just all the, the, the kicker people? What did he do for a living? Yeah, he was a painter and a welder for oil field equipment. Hmm. Uh, it was a very hard labor uh, for him to, right. to paint cars and trucks, uh, the international semi-trucks and things of that order. They would convert them to uh, oil uh, equipment trucks, and wow. they would weld things on it. And what did your mom do for a living? She was a, uh, a big uh, supervisor in a propane gas company. Wow. Very successful. Wow. All right. So, I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure that folks that are listening, and you just hear your, your voice, Greg, and your honesty, your authenticity with your, your, your testimony, you know, really. Uh, and uh, it just makes you think. I mean, your heart has to go out to... And, and you know, the, the thing about this is, I just want everybody to understand, this sort of abuse, and, and Greg probably knows far more than I know or you know about this, but this goes on every day, doesn't it, Greg, across our oh, nation, around the world, right? I mean, oh, it, it does. And I think yeah. the, the figures that you, re, you know, recalled, you Kevin, at the beginning of the show, right. um, I don't even think that scrapes the surface of this problem. Right. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, and right now, you, Greg, you just sound like Incredible. a happy individual, you know, trying to go out there and help others. And it just, wow. it's amazing how you've been it's able amazing. to survive. Yeah. When, when he came on, Kevin will uh, testify to this as well. When we uh, picked up the line here with him to do our uh, program today with him, uh, he, you could hear the enthusiasm in his voice immediately. It was a major connection almost instantaneously uh, because it was like wonderful. And it was just that moment of being real people. We'll continue on with the brink of greatness just after this pause. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world, to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Really, I think that lowest possible moment sounds to me like when you were 17 and you pushed your dad away and you finally said, I've had enough. Yeah. And he, again, as you say, stopped calling your son at that point and referred to you as Greg and you never heard son again, but, you know, but... There were more important things at that point, and having your freedom and independence was key. When did you end up moving out at that point? How far after that incident did you end up parting ways with him? Uh, that was when I went off to college. He and mom were still in the same house, and that was a few years later, a couple of years later, because I went to college uh, before I was, I had just, I was before I turned 18, mm-hmm. uh, I left for college. Okay. And because um, the way my birthday fell. But he was still in the house with mom when I left. And on the way uh, out to the car to load up my little car to, to head south, uh, they had told me, 
uh, we're going to get a divorce. We were waiting for you to go off to college, and now we're going to divorce. And um, so that's when that, their marriage uh, dissolved after I left the house. After you left so, the house, yeah. Yeah, so when you told him to stop at 17, was that it? Like he never tried to come back and that was it. sexually abuse you again. So roughly he heard the message and, and that was it. So maybe sometimes the lesson is, is if we can just say stop, that it will actually happen. But I'm sure it's you are getting stronger, you were 17, and now you can actually fight back. When you're younger, you don't really have that strength to do it. Yeah, and it, it sets a tough move because especially the, the children get uh, brainwashed and manipulated to believe. You know, I really thought I was normal. I, I, exactly. When I, went to, when I went to school, I was wondering what all the other fathers were doing to those kids. Mm-hmm. And you know, I never talked about it at school. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing that I went all the way from all those years, all through grade school, kindergarten through eighth grade, and then almost to my junior year in high school, and not one teacher ever pulled me to the side and say, are you okay? I'm not for sure I would have answered that correctly. I'm not for sure I would have said, no, I'm in trouble. But I never had one person ever ask me. So I played the I'm fine game. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I just put the mask on, and I became the happy-go-lucky everything's fine, but when things got at home, it was a whole different ballgame. But well, what's amazing about you now, Greg, is that different than some people, you've used this energy to really um, lift a spirit in you and be able to lift the spirit in countless people that you're helping out there, and I'm sure you know that. We'll talk more on that ahead here, but I, I think that's what's really staggering. So instead of going back into your shell, or in other words... I mean, a lot of people who go through trauma, and you guys, you tell me what you think, but don't they normally become very bitter with the world and very angry and very sheltered and very internal? And it's a mess. Don't, isn't that normal? I think everyone is different. I mean, I, I, you always say you bring up your wife. Well, the fact that my wife had pancreatic cancer, there are some who, who actually are angry with God or with life, and they are more bitter when they find out they have cancer, where others like my wife actually take it on as a challenge and look at it as, you know, I'm still happy to be alive and look at the outlook as being positive. And, you know, this isn't the end, but this is being, you know, go on and start fighting. It could be the beginning. Well, it's it's the thing you and I talk about all the time, Kevin, victim and victor, victim and victor, right? I mean, that's the whole deal here. But Greg, I mean, back to what you're saying there, though, I mean, did you... What do you attribute? What do you attribute the the outlook you have, the optimism and the gift that you're doing? What do you attribute that to? Well, there's only really one answer, and I I, I try not to bring this up because sometimes it it does lead me to different areas, and people, you know, like the physicians and and places that I go talk to, don't want me to go religious on them at all. Uh, but I have it on the last two pages of my book. It's, it's the appendix two in my book that if it wasn't for Jesus mm-hmm. and God in my life, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have anything. And there was a little Bible mm-hmm. that I got in my fourth grade year of school right. that uh, every kid used to get Bibles in school back in those days. Right. Uh, at least we did it in Illinois. And um, there was a little picture of Jesus on the cover with a, a little boy sitting on his lap. Mm-hmm. And I remember night after night after night 
looking at that cover and putting myself in that little boy's place. Wow. That, that was me, and I was still protected. Mm-hmm. And I, I had that uh, foundation. Mm-hmm. I kept that foundation, and I never wavered from that foundation. Um, but I played the game with the world. Yeah, no, I, I see that. everybody around me for 30-some years. Right. Uh, after that, I'm okay until yeah. everything wow. around me was starting to crumble. All right. And uh, I didn't have a real relationship in my life. I was going to say, so we want to get to that crumbling point because there has to be an yeah. impact of this, Greg. You just don't flip a yeah. switch at 17 and then it's all perfect. Well, it, it's amazing because I, one thing that, that happened in my childhood was, I believe, the summer of 1974. I was 12 years old, 11, 12 years old, and it happened the following summer, too. But I talk about it in the book as that's the first time it happened when I was gang raped by dad and four of his friends. And the four friends were a person that worked for the police department, a police officer in town. Oh, my dear. Uh, one that worked at the state's attorney's office. Mm. Uh, the, the radio show uh, disc jockey for the morning radio show in town. Wow. And another friend of his. So I, I had that mindset that these were very well-known, popular mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. This must be the Normal thing that behavior. everybody does. Normal behavior. I mean, the people that I was supposed to look up to as, as a child, mm-hmm. you know, the little police officer and, and uh, the people mm-hmm. that be, upheld the law in town were mm-hmm. the ones that at parties were using me as a toy. And my dad would stand in the corner, and that's one of the few times I ever thought my dad was proud when he could just basically tell these friends, he's yours, have a good time. And I, I, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I mean, how sickening that would be. I just uh, can't imagine who, who would you, even as a, a child, call out to. I mean, yeah, everyone... you go to when that's the people that are doing it to you. Right. You got a police person, somebody in the, what, the, uh, like, what you say, attorney general's office, like a law? You have somebody who's on the radio. I mean, it's like everyone that you would turn to for help were part of the the, the, the problem. Yeah, and there's still there's still stories that I haven't even opened the closet to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not for sure it would benefit anybody, and I'm not for sure how I would handle it if I dig too deep in that. I, I I'm trying to stay. Um, Hmm. I, I haven't really gone that, right, that right. far, Greg. Uh, how the 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 gang rape thing you talk about? Yeah. How how was that a one time event, or did that happen more? No, that happened three or four times that summer, and then it happened again the following summer with different people. Um, with different people, and with so the, with same with dad. Dad would kind of bring me in, mm-hmm. uh, and I, it was always at a pool party because we we had a pool, which mm-hmm. was not everybody in the air at that time had pools because they were in ground pools back then the concrete ones that cost a lot of money compared to the above ground ones now so they would all come to our house to party and it was always those nights that it would happen mm. and um mm. all right so wow i i just it's um 
you know, I, I can feel the anger boiling in me, Greg. I can feel the anger. I want to sit. I want to reach out and help. Uh, you know, the four-year-old or the ten-year-old Greg Gregory Williams as the boy because you feel the anger. You understand? Anybody listening's got to feel that anger. Uh, yeah. And to think, and, and the lessons I want people to understand is: listen, you know, you talk about the police, you talk about the the attorney, whatever, or the the, the church or the choir. Or the, nobody is immune from this stuff, is what I'm saying. So it comes in all kinds of sizes and shapes, you know. Uh, you know, Malcolm. Uh, not to interrupt, I'm sorry, but uh, just think about the news the last six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, think mm-hmm. about uh, the Connie Chungs that have come out and talked about it. Uh, just this last week, mm-hmm. uh, the Matt Lowers, uh, exactly, New, M- Moonves, uh, Harry Weinstein, and then it's and everywhere. Then you, yeah, you have that in the yeah. entertainment industry. Everywhere. And then all you have to do is now go mm-hmm. to what's happening in the church. Yep. With yep. you know, with the Catholic <sighs> oh, Church, and, and it's not just Catholic only. I guarantee you. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the devastation and the numbers that have been hit. Every entity I have found uh, has been affected. And everybody that I speak to across this nation, I always give them the opportunity afterwards to come and talk to me. And I am amazed that almost double digits every time people will come up to me and say, I've never told anybody but it's happened to me. Yeah, Greg, what you're saying is it's so widespread. I cannot understand for the life of me why a grown man, why a grown anybody would want to sit and harm any kid for any reason, sexually or any other way, by that matter. But where does this come from? And this has got to be Satan 101. It, yeah, I think it is. It, it wouldn't surprise me since I didn't have that discussion and the opportunity to to really work it through with dad. Um, what happened to you, dad? Uh, what, what had happened to you, somebody in the family, in the exactly. neighborhood, at school? Exactly. Did something happen that turned him into where he could not get enough? Mm-hmm. You know, when, when mom started leaving town and having to be gone four or five days a week mm. uh, for her work, I literally was in... I was, you know, I'm in my teens now. I would have to shower with my father every night after work. Mm-hmm. Here I am, a teenager. I had to sleep with him. I had to cook him dinner, which wasn't a big deal to cook dinner. But while I was cooking dinner, he would come up behind me like I was his toy. He would fondle me and and put his hands on me while I was trying to cook hamburger helper uh, on the stove as a teenager. Every moment that I was with him, whether we were driving in the, he was driving in the car, he would reach over and grab me. Um, it just became, that's all that he ever thought about. It was wow. like he was obsessed with it. Yeah. I'm cur- I, yeah, I'm just curious. You said that, I, I'm just wondering if you learned anything, but when you were with your dad and he was on his deathbed and you wanted to have that discussion... What came up? Did anything actually get discussed at all? or We did. Or... I, I did. And that was my, my turning moment, maybe that edge of that brink, because uh, I was sitting there. Dad's on life support. And I, in the back of my mind, and I talk about this in detail in the book, mm-hmm. in the back of my mind, I, I wanted to shout, ha, 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 I finally got you. 
all I have to do is unplug this machine, oh, wow. and you are dead. Did you say that to ran, him? No, but it ran through my mind. You better believe it. It, it ran through my mind, and it was mm-hmm. it was the four. It was almost like the Fred Flintstone, the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other yeah, cartoon, yeah, yeah. and it was like that. But instead, I looked at him, and he was you know he had the ventilator on, no response. He was in a comatose state, and I just explained to him in the long process, Dad, I know exactly what you've done to me, and I told him what he'd done to me, and I said, but I want you to know that I love you. And I forgive you, not for what you are and who you are, mm. but for me mm. and who I want to be. I wow. forgive you. When I wow. said that, there was a, a baggage of of garbage that literally th- escaped my body. And I looked at him, and there was tears coming out of the corners of his eyes. So when people say, oh, if they're in a comatose state, no, no. need talking to him, no need showing up, no need holding their hand. I totally disagree. So he so heard I, you. He heard you. I then. think I made the connection. You made the connection. And he heard you. So you had the last word, even though I did. And a couple of days later, he passed away. He passed away. Yeah, and you were able to forgive him. If you can, I mean, I mean, Kevin, could you? I mean, I mean, could you forgive somebody like that? Uh, let me just say it would be very difficult. I mean, it's the right thing to do, but whether or not I could do the right thing is a different story. I spoke at his funeral. I was the only one that spoke at his funeral. I sang at his funeral. You sang uh, and you spoke at his funeral. Wow. Yeah, and I remember leaving the wow. the, the funeral home. Mm. And, of course, the, the person that speaks, or the pastor, stays there. Yeah. And I, I stood there and watched them close the lid. Mm-hmm. And I made sure. <laughs> why, I don't know. But I made sure I told the funeral director, make sure you lock it. Wow. <laughs> and he got the little casket key. And, of course, they were going to do that. But I mentioned it before he ever reached for it. They locked it down. I did not want <laughs> anything. I wonder what he out. thought when you said that, Greg. I wonder what he thought, you know. like why I would... don't know. Yeah, interesting, <laughs> interesting. Uh, and, well, you didn't want the demon to get out again is what it is, buddy. I mean, you didn't want the demon yeah. out, clearly. And and how roughly how old was you then? You were, you were much older then, right? Yeah, Dad, Dad passed away. Uh... You said... It was like 2004, maybe, okay, okay. Two, somewhere in that area. I can't yeah, you were much remember. older. Somewhere yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. There's so much good I want. You know, we're going to need 10 hours to do this talk with you today. You know that, buddy. Hard to do this in That's one fine. hour. I got news for you. But anyways, we'll do our best. <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about on the good side of what you're doing now. But before I do, you mentioned about faith and that. And I love the way you put the picture of Jesus there. And you put yourself in that picture with Jesus to be that you were on his lap. Is that correct? In my mind, yeah, that was me on the cover, yes. In your mind, of course, that's all you could do. and that, But that was your saving grace, that's what you hung on to, right? As you yes, blanked absolutely. out or put the rest of it out, out, of, your, out of your misery, right? Right. <laughs> and you, all right, so this went on and on, and you're obviously a person of faith now, which, and we love to talk about faith here, by the way, so you don't have to worry about uh, ever saying that. But sure. here's what I want to ask you, and this is a tough thing, but I'm I'm curious to ask you this. So... You credit your faith now with being where you're at, and when I asked you that earlier, right? I mean, is this correct? You credit your Absolutely. faith in God right now for the salvation he, of where you're at, right? Absolutely. He's the light. All right, so he's the light. Now, and I'm with you there, brother. But here's the hard question I want to ask you, and I think most people should probably know what I want to ask you next. Why is it, where was God 
Where was he through all of those years that you would be a tormented as a little boy? Where was he then? Don't answer this yet. I want you to think about this. Where was he and why wasn't he there? And I hear people ask that. But if God is the light now, where was he all those years that you were being tortured from this evil man? <laughs> wow. Let's pick it up on the other side of this pause, friends. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multi-nutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. We are back, friends, on the brink of greatness here. We're speaking with Dr. Gregory Williams, Kevin and Malcolm here. And uh, it's a profound conversation we're having. And I, I, I truly, what a connection with Dr. Gregory Williams. And I'm loving everything about where he is now. And I want to talk about all the good stuff next year, but I, I asked you a big question at the end, uh, Greg. And I, I know it's not an easy question, but I know it's on people's mind because I hear this question from people all the time. And I wonder yes. if you have a version of that or if you have a thought or a concept or something that can help us understand, please. Well, first of all, I, I, I want to applaud you. I, I am on lots of different radio broadcasts, interviews and podcasts, and, and you are good. <laughs> you you are asking the right questions, and I, I'm enjoying this so much. So we can talk for the next week, uh, hour after hour, because I, I could just spend all the time in the world with you and, and Kevin. This is awesome. God was right there with me. And if not, I would have become the next Charles Manson, the next Ted Bundy, the next Jeffrey Dahmer, or something <laughs> by chance. Was that little Bible given to me? No. By chance, was it on my bedstand uh, every night? I was the one that laid it there. But by chance, no. There is no happenstances in in life. It was God saying, you're going to go through this. You're going to live through this. And you're going to turn this into something that's going to change people's lives. And if I didn't, it would have been in vain. Okay. It would have been absolutely worthless. All right. I accept that. That is a great answer back. I accept that, uh, Greg, for, for really, though. But, but listen, I want people to understand something, Kevin. This is a very big moment, and I'll tell you why. I look at the world this way. The world is full of good versus evil. There is a fight, people, out there. Of good versus evil. Am I right, Greg? Am I right, Kevin? I mean, every right? day. Every yes, day. there is. There's a fight, people, of good and evil on the front lines. And I wanted you to hear. I didn't know what Greg was going to say back to that, but I wanted to hear what he was going to say in his words, because it could have been another answer, people. But that was the answer there, and it's the right answer. The point is that the evil is all around us, and we have to stand up tall to fight this evil. I believe that things happen to us. Not because it's God's desire. Will. 
Yeah, he didn't want me to be That's abused. Right. That's right. But in the middle of all that evil, my dad had a choice of what he was going to do with me exactly. under his care, Sick and him. he chose the yeah. evil route. Tip, yes. Now, uh, I'm 50-some years old. Mm -hmm. I have... Recognize the evil that has happened in my life and to me. Mm. I could go out on the streets of Houston and just tear into everybody and eat them up and spit them out and be bitter. But because I don't want to do that, I'm choosing the right side. Choice. Now I'm trying yeah. to make yeah. people to recognize don't hold this in. Whatever's happened to you bankruptcy, divorce, uh, being laid off of jobs, whatever mm -hmm. it is in your life, whether it's abuse or just bad things happening to you, bad choices you've made, there's always a time where you can reach down, grab yourself by the bootstraps, pick yourself up and go, today's going to be a different day. And, you, and every person that's listening to you, Malcolm, can have that same kind of shield mm -hmm. that you're claiming that you have, yeah. that you just don't let evil right. in. That's we right. can all have that's that. That's right. Amen. That's Each right. Each of us can have that if we just make the conscious choice. I wanted to die. I tried to kill myself. I tell about it in the book. I'm driving the car home uh, just about midnight, and I know just as soon as I get home from a date, my dad's going to abuse me. I tried to kill myself and run off into uh, a bridge, and I couldn't even do that. Mm -hmm. And I screamed, I can't even do that right. My God head. had that in mind. Mm -hmm. He controlled me not being able to do that, even though I had the choice. He somewhere in his divine nature said, this guy may help one of my children later. Let's yeah, let I, him live. Yeah, my, my, I know this is not a religious program, but I believe that God doesn't force us to do anything. Right. We, all, we all have the right to free agency. We all decide on ourselves, our, ourselves to choose good or to choose evil. I mean, he's not going to come in and stop it because... That means he's forcing us, you know, to make a choice. It's up You're to right. us to make the choice. So that's why good versus evil is true. I mean, we're, I, you know, I always hear kind of like the natural man is an enemy to God, right? Unless they yield, I would say, to the enticings of the, of the Holy Ghost to be better. And I think Malcolm and yourself, it's just you're yielding to the good, and for that reason, you're making good choices, and everyone has a choice. So It is a choice. Yeah, that's a great answer, Kev. You know, Greg, you are a powerhouse of good. You are a powerhouse of a force, a force to be reckoned with ahead. I mean, I, I don't think you've nearly tapped into all the good you're going to do ahead. Um, and the fact you're just getting into your prime, you're still, you're, you're like the rest of us. You're still a young man, buddy. So, oh boy, <laughs> still I'm a young man. Because there's days I don't feel that. <laughs> well, you're still young though. You're in your fifties. You're still a young man. I mean, come on, you know. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just curious. From the at the time that you were at your dad's deathbed in 2004, yeah. I guess when he died. Until 2015 is when you finally it kind of slipped out. I mean, I'm just curious, what took so long? I mean, you felt like you finally relieved yourself by telling your dad and you forgave him. But it took another 11 years. Yeah, you know, I, I think my mom passing away had a lot to do with it. Uh, because I didn't really want mom to go through. I told mom that I was going to write a book. 
that I was going to tell everybody in the world what exactly happened. I never went into great detail. She couldn't have handled it. Now, whether she knew about it or had a hint about it mm-hmm. uh, and felt guilty of it, I, at her age, and you know, she, she died at a fairly late age in life, I didn't think that was something that I needed to, to pour on her. Yeah. So I just told her, you know, she knew about the abuse. She moved out of the house, went to Florida, uh, because she called it a house of horrors. And uh, the, the house that, that your dad was in, she called a house of horrors. Yes. Yeah, they yeah. lived in together. And then I told her that, you know, after she did mm-hmm. uh, pass away, mm-hmm. I was going to let this out. Mm-hmm. And she was supportive of that. And uh, it took me two or three years to write it. And then another year or two to actually get the courage to let it um, yeah, be it's printed. A hard, it's a hard thing because you, you're you just letting the world know and it's something that you feared. Yeah, and, the, and Kevin, the story that you discovered me on was uh, when I was doing a presentation with all the doctors that I work at at mm-hmm. Baylor College of Medicine in Houston. And here I am, a man. I work with all these doctors every day at the medical center, every day. And even when I started to reveal what I was going to talk about, I still had in the back of my mind Mm -hmm. me wondering, will you still like me? Will you still respect me after you hear what's happened to me? Right. And it's hard for anybody, but I think Mm. for a man, there's another layer in that Mm -hmm. onion that needs to be peeled back. Right. And Malcolm, Kevin, I don't know how we're going to get this word out, but I really want to, to men. Yeah. Yeah. We have to be able to sit down with men and go, you know, you're, you're still going to be Mm -hmm. loved by your wife. That's right. That's right. You're still going to be a man. Your Mm -hmm. manhood doesn't disappear, Mm -hmm. but we have to give them an avenue of a way to release it in a safe environment because right now it's not safe. Let me tell you, we're not normal. There's too many things that affect society. And I think a lot of it, not only the health, and that's why I think the medical field's looking at this even deeper, that the people that are obese, diabetes, uh, PTSD, OCD, uh, heart problems, uh, all of some of, not all of this, but some of this can be attributed that they've never discussed it with anybody what happened to them. Greg, a lot of it is. Let me let me tell everybody that what we're talking about right here, when you mentioned that early in the program, I made a big mental note to come back to this, what you just said there. What What's happening is this, guys. It's the stress and anxiety in our bodies. With you, with you, Greg, what happened is that stress buildup and knowing how bad and wrong that was and coming through all of the trauma you came through in your life. See, all of this is a bit like the time you were going to commit suicide. It's the time that your dad is dying and he's on support and you have this big conversation yeah. and your mom and and then the gang rapes and then the things going on with friends and people you know and i mean the buildup in you is massive at this point and so what happened is it attacked your heart the valve in your heart is what happened is what the doctors told you well that's accurate and so the stress and anxieties yeah. in our life is it's a cancer people and that's what's if you're carrying that around and i'm not talking this doesn't we're not this really what we're talking about right now greg has no 
nothing to do with sex abuse. This could be on any level. You know that. I mean, Absolutely. The, yeah, the trauma in our lives that we carry around, I'm telling you, the stress and anxieties we carry as people is serious business people. And we need to let those demons go. We need to dismiss that from our bodies, from our lives. We need to be blessed. We need to walk outside. We need to look at the blue sky. We need to look at the trees. We need to breathe and smile and know there's a reason we're here. There's a reason we're part of this big this beautiful planet we're on and there's a reason we can make the a, a difference out there and we're just we, we should be excited to be alive and be excited of this experiment in this program and we have to do that no matter what the circumstances are and don't let people pull you down if you if you've got friends and people you're hanging with that are pulling you down you've got to cut that thread you've got to get rid of the negative energy right or wrong that's exactly right I start every one of my uh, presentations with the song by Disturbed, but more likely you would know it by the Simon and Garfunkel, The Sound of Silence. Mm -hmm. I always play that song at the very beginning before I ever say a word, because there's a line in there Mm -hmm. that says silence likes like a cancer grows. If we're silent, it will absolutely fester up inside of us, and it will come out tomorrow or 35 years from now, but it's going to come out and it's going to be damage. Yeah. 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 Do, do you, you sing? Do you sing? You said, Greg, is that what you said? Oh earlier? yeah. But that's nothing to get excited about. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right. All right. All right. Listen, we've only got a couple of minutes, but I got to say we, we've, uh, I mean, we've burnt right through so much time. It's unreal, but I, I've got to know, talk, take a couple of minutes here and we just want to hear yeah. you and tell us What's your future? What's the vision? What's the plan? What are we doing next? What's happening? That, that, that's so, um, so exciting, at least from, from my point of view. I, I am doing lot, lots of talks out there. I'm getting involved locally uh, with some advisory boards with the Texas Children's Hospital and Baylor College of Medicine. Mm-hmm. And then uh, eventually we're working on getting some legislation uh, work done at the, at the Texas legislature. Uh, to, to enforce even more so. But I'm just trying to get the, the book out. I'm trying to get the webpage out, uh, shatteredbythedarkness.com, where people can actually have a place where they can mm-hmm. call in. They can write in. They don't have to give me their name, mm-hmm. but they can actually talk to me right on the phone and share with me what's going on. Then I will try to find a resource that's in their local area to be able to get help, uh, to find a safe place to tell people what's happening, what's happened to him. But I'm, I'm trying to get out in front of all the teachers, medical field. I've been at the national uh, uh, conference for child against uh, that's been abused, crimes against children in Dallas. I uh, talked to the police officers and FBI agents all over the country, oh, the world, literally, mm-hmm. uh, to help them uh, with what they're doing to be able to deal with uh, the advocacy part of helping people and to get in those situations. Uh, of help of families that have been dismantled because of this but just getting the word out trying to talk to people and my mission in life for whatever years i have left Mm -hmm. is called negative to positive how are we going to turn what negative has happened to our lives into something positive Mm -hmm. and if you can do that you Mm -hmm. find a reason for living Mm -hmm. if you can't you find no reason for living and there's nothing worth living for. Yeah. And I guarantee you there's always hope. Gregory, you have blessed us so much today with your story. You have to know that. I mean, you have blessed everybody to hear this story. And 
It is not happenstance that we met today. There's nothing accidental about this meeting. I can tell you that I now. Absolutely. I'm looking at your book now, Shattered by the Darkness. There's a picture of you as the young boy on the air. That is you, I'm, I'm sure, right? That's my little kindergarten picture. Well, I was a cute little fellow. That's it. You were indeed. <laughs> you are there. What a handsome young man you are. And uh, Shattered by the Darkness. Uh, it's uh, right here. And putting the pieces back together after child abuse. And uh, that's the book. Now, the book, friends, will be in the show post. Let me tell you how this works. We will also put the book in our bookstore. If you go to americaroutloud.com, you'll see bookstore at the top there. And you'll click that, and you can see his book in the bookstore. It will be in the show post on the brink of greatness.com. The book will be, you'll be able to buy it right from there. Just click the link, no problem, and you'll get his book there. You should do that. Clearly, it's it's, uh, to to really make this story connect for all of you. Um, It's amazing. You you hear Dr. Gregory Williams and you hear his story, Kevin. It's truly, truly amazing. You know, Greg, I want to talk next week with you. Again, it's not happenstance. We've talked today and met uh, synergistically powerful, powerful, powerful testimony. Kevin, you've got to be blown away. You got to be. Blown I am. Away. Yeah, you got to be blown away. Yeah, because I'm double blown away. <laughs> you know? This it's unbelievable. Yeah, I know you got to be. I know. I can. Feel, I feel like I'm picking you up off the floor, Kev. You know, I really, I am. I'm picking you up, saying, Kevin, wake up. You know, you're. Gonna, when he when he when he said his story, I was I on the floor. I was I like, know, oh my gosh, how could somebody go through all that? We're we're blessed by you, uh, Greg, and just are thrilled that. And again, I want to help you ahead and do everything I can. This is a this is a topic that I am very passionate about. I'm very passionate about it because I, I just believe that it's wrong and I believe God wants me to be passionate about it. I need to do something about it and I want to help you all I can, okay? Well, Malcolm, do you know of a better time where the iron has been more heated than right now in our nation? Than no, right I don't. Now. No, I don't. No, that's this right. This is the time it is. that... If anybody wants to discuss, I will travel anywhere in the country, in the world. And mm-hmm. I don't do this for money. I do this for the exactly. message. Exactly. And uh, if they let me, you know, bring the book and put a little table out the back, I'll do it for literally nothing. I love it. Get there. I love to it. To tell people. So everybody heard it there. Everybody knows that as well. And we're going to put all of that on there. And I got to tell you, well, I can already see, I want to get you on our news program because I want you to be able to talk about this as a professional. Right, Kev? I mean, that's a, that's, exactly. that's logical. I mean, that's so logical. Yeah. I mean, you've now got new friends here at America Out Loud and the brink of greatness here and somebody that will get behind you as well. But just a tremendous thank you to uh, Dr. Gregory Williams to share his story today with all of us and to pull the strength from that and the power. And you hear the power of his testimony what he's been through. Let me tell you, if he can come through all of that, friends, and get to the point of impact and get to the brink of greatness and look at all the great things he's doing out there, well, you know what? Uh, the rest of us can as well because I, Absolutely. you know, right? I mean, we haven't been through that sort of trauma. Uh, sometimes we take our problems and we make them bigger than what they are. And I want to encourage you all not to do that out there, but to stay positive and to know it's it's all good. Don't let the stress and anxiety give you a heart problem like he went through, like Greg went through. Uh, avoid that. Cut it off at the pass and, and don't let it get to you. Uh, friends, uh, it's been a joy to have you here with us today. And, uh, you know, the brink of greatness can only happen when you're willing to push beyond the boundaries and limitations that are holding you back. What's holding you back, friends? Remember to take the next leap forward.